Alberto. Will you please follow me? Don't just keep your mouth shut and just listen to what I'm going to say. There's the one here. Then there's the one in Childress. There's the one in Jayton. That one's closed. I know that one's closed. I know that one's closed, Alberto. Welcome to Tripod, a podcast about cinema's unofficial trilogies, three films which are not linked by the usual elements like characters or plot, but instead are connected by a director or writer or actor, or sometimes much, much less. I am Matt. And I'm Tyree. And today we are completing our self-titled Bronco Bridges trilogy with the 2016 Jeff Bridges modern western about them dirty rotten banks. (laughs) Hell or high water. (laughs) It's a western with banks and robbers and cowboys. You mean to tell me that bank robberies still happen in the old west? In these modern times. And they got Somebody... them metal horses. They call them cars. <laughs> yeah, you don't uh. need to re restud a metal horse. You just you just put the tires on. Uh, yeah, we'll cut that bit. <laughs> See how you go. This is episode three of the Bronco Bridges the trilogy. Final installment of the Bronco Bridges trilogy. The third episode of That's our first it. ever trilogy, which means that at the end of this episode we get to spin the wheel of trilogy. We spin the wheel for real. Oh I'm so the excited. wheel for real. Oh the wheel for real for the sure. Wheel for real for yeah. sure. Yeah. We have a wheel on our on one of our computers that is stocked full of trilogies that we're excited to get to. We figured that was the best way to do this because uh you know, there are some more well-known trilogies out there, or unofficial yeah. trilogies, I should say, like the Dollars trilogy, like the Cornetto trilogy. But, you know, rather than let uh, popular demand, mm. you know, curate Alice, we thought let's just put them all on a big wheel. Yeah, let's give it up to fate. And they are small slivers of a pie. Like, oh, yeah. if that makes sense, if you imagine yeah. a pie and they're all just tiny, tiny slices. Yeah. The kind of slice where if you got it at a birthday, you'd be like, come on, man. Like, at least double. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're like, there's 80 Eight. people here. This is ass. Um, okay. You weren't even invited. You... <laughs> so what? Give me cake. You know, I was, this is actually relevant. I was at just a, at a cafe earlier today. Yeah. And it was. Is that why you were late? Sorry. You were a bit late. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Um, and there was a 100th birthday party happening there. Oofed. Wow. 100th birthday. As in that was the 100th birthday they've ever had in that cafe or someone turned 100? Someone turned 100. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, it was an old woman's birthday. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she was she was like in good form. She blew wow. out her candle. She was Great. smiling. She was singing happy birthday to herself. Oh. It was awesome. Lovely. That's, Either that or nice. she thought that it was someone else's birthday. I was like, oh, no, cute. it's yours. Oh, that's so awesome. But it did remind me because I, this, I wanted to – so this happened the other day. Okay. With, uh, for listeners um, – to know, we we won't always give you disclaimers. Like this podcast is going to get on the tracks at some point, but <laughs> we've tried to record this episode like two or three times oh, so far, yeah. and just had massive technical difficulties. So we are very happy to report yeah. that we're all you know yeah. obviously live and on mic now. Yeah, Surprise and you, um, you've <laughs> you've recorded podcasts for I don't know how many years now, maybe uh, like or... four years, but four oh, years. like on and off. You've... I'm not like a technical wizard with it yes. or anything. It's just like you know. But you've done it. You've, you've done, done the it. basic thing where you, it's not even that hard to. Obviously, curating a podcast is hard, but like recording a podcast isn't that hard. You plug in yeah. the microphone, you press play, you record, you talk. Yeah. There's some editing afterwards, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, but for the first time ever, you encountered, we encountered 
Just massive major troubles. troubles here. Anyway, we're back. We're happy. We're back, baby. We're gonna finish our first trilogy. Um, back no, for the Bronco know. Bridges trilogy. I don't know if it's if it's. I've gotten older, or people in retail in like in like JB and like Bunnings and stuff have gotten worse. Like I don't know if I've gotten older and just gotten more knowledgeable about that stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, I know more than you, or like I don't need your help or whatever. Yeah. Or if they've actually just gotten less helpful. Because I, I was think, in JB the other day, mm, and none of them knew what was happening. Yeah, it could have just been that day. Could have been those. No offense to anyone done. working there, but you suck. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You really derailed this podcast. Uh, why don't you? Why aren't you an expert uh, in everything? I technology think it, maybe you're a curmudgeon now. It could be that. I mean, you, I think I'm a curmudgeon. You're a curmudgeon. That's what I'm told most of the you time. You know, it was they if they were able to help you, even if they were like not helpful. If anyone has listened to our True Grit episode, they know I'm a curmudgeon because I was like, yeah, I don't know about this movie, and everyone's like, it's a great film. Yeah, but then I'm also a curmudgeon because I hated RIPD. Oh yeah, you're the worst. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this seeing that hundred year old party, right? Yes. It reminded me because, and this is something I wanted to bring up when we were originally planning to record this, which yep. was a few days ago. I had, had a haircut that day. Okay. You haven't seen anything. Looks good. Um, and I did. I was, <laughs> when you got the haircut, I did. I was For sitting, the record. I was sitting in my chair, and there was a guy who walked in. He had a Zimmer frame and everything. He was probably yeah. in his 90s. This guy yeah. was old. Okay. And he sat down, and they were very lovely to him. They gave him the, the seat next to me in the barber's chair. And this young girl started to cut his hair. Mm. And I was listening because my barber was the kind of guy who just was like, I'm just going to cut your hair yeah. and not talk at all. Mm. And I was like, I'm fine with that, man. I'm just going to chill. <laughs> So I was able to hear of a, a bunch of what was happening around me. And this woman who was lovely, but it got me, like, when did we start, when do we talk, why do we talk to old people? Like, what, 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 are you having a stroke? Why do we talk to old people like they're babies? Like, she huh. was talking to this man, like yeah. I talk to my nieces, where it's like, wow. she was like, have you, have you, uh, she, she was like, have you got any? Uh, you you excited to get some presents for 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 Christmas? Like yeah, you're get something not like that oh, kind of thing. Shit. And I didn't. I'm not judging. It was like clearly. I think it's also because she hears like hard of hearing. It's one of those things. Basically, yeah. I was like this because whenever this is from my perspective. Whenever I meet an old person, mm. I'm immediately like, How old are you? What wars did you fight in? I'm like, What? Yeah. What have you seen? Like, it's more like a reverence of like, yeah. oh my God. You're ancient. You like, made it. You, but but it's it's weird. Like, people, re- people revert to like she literally said to him. He was like, "Oh, I had a fall the other day." And she was like, "Were you doing something naughty? Like, did you like did you go out yeah. to your mailbox when you shouldn't? All that shit." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, man, this guy's like probably fought in dog fights and yeah, you know, I don't know. Lived He's done stuff. He's lived stuff. I don't know. It was I a weird know. thing where I was like, "This is strange." He this guy's lived more <clears throat> lives than all of us in here combined, or lived more years. And yet we're like, semi-related to this episode because yeah. it's Hello High Water. Yeah. In case you didn't already know, listeners. Yeah. Hello High Water deals with this kind of theme, this theme of um, aging. It does. Getting That's old. why I brought it and up. Well, not for just my own personal uh, yep. thing to talk about. Your own gripe. My own gripe that's, with society. That's a different, that's a different podcast. Yeah. Know. But you are, you are right to get us back on track. Hello, High Water was a film that we saw when it came out in cinemas. 2016. Yeah, when we were, yeah. we were in 21. Wow, 21. We saw it together. I walked out of the cinema being like, that was one of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah. Tyree? I thought it was dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to any of the writers, creators, actors involved. I just didn't like it for some reason. Yeah. I walked in... Uh, I really liked Sicario, which came uh, which came out maybe a year before or two years before, but it had the same screenwriter, Taylor Sheridan, 
who's got an amazing story. Yes, very talented man. We need to get into that. Yes. Um, actor turned writer. Unsuccess- and in his own words, unsuccessful actor turned yes. extremely successful writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was. I went in expecting very similar directorial style, I guess. To I was the expecting... rewatch or to the original watch? To the original watch. Yeah. When, I, when I walked into the cinema for Hell or High Water. It's funny because we're kind of backwards on these things. Like, I don't, I'm not massive on Sicario. Wow. Yes. And you're not massive on this one. Yes, that's right. I love Sicario. I mean, I don't like it as much anymore, but I, I, I need to reevaluate it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. We'll find a trilogy. Was one. was disappointed when I walked out because it didn't have that. It was honestly the score. I was looking for that mm. really low, bassy Johan Johansson score. Mm. Just going, whoa. Yeah, yeah. The dark kind of. Didn't have it. Um, no, for whatever reason, it just didn't hit. Mm. Uh, I went in with the wrong expectation, knowing it was a, a heist film. We should really introduce the film a little bit, but anyway, um, well, knowing right. it was a heist film, yeah. I was expecting a lot more heists and a lot more tension building and a big, it does have like a pretty explosive climax, but I was expecting more, I guess, but yeah. it's not that kind of film. It's playing on that idea. So if the, we... the, the spectacle is purposefully played pretty low. It film. is, isn't it? Yes. Like yeah. the bank robberies aren't, it's not the kind of stuff you see in Heat or anything like that. They're not no. like explosive, amazing, action-packed. Robberies, they're very kind of clumsy. Very clumsy robberies that I've I mean, captured. that's one of the things I love so much about this yeah. film. Yes. Is that its robberies and its crime feel so tangible and real. Yeah. The way they just yeah, yeah. walk it the way that there's no kind of um gravitas mm. to like them just walking into a bank. Yeah. Whether it's filled with people or whether it's empty. Yeah. And just kind of like do it feels like what would happen if you tried to do something like that. Yeah. But we will get into it. I mean, yeah. we, you were saying this film is about like an aging yeah. cop, kind of similar in a way to uh, No Country for Old Men. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. about. I mean, firstly, it's about two brothers mm-hmm. who are robbing a series of banks mm-hmm. uh, in a plan devised by the younger brother, mm-hmm. whose name is Toby. Yes. And. Um, on their way to robbing these banks, they're basically trying to make out and make enough money back to pay off the banks mm. so that they can keep their mother's old land, which mm. they have discovered oil on. Yes. And in the meantime, as they're running as they're running this uh, yep. bank robbery um, plan, mm. <clears throat> Texas Rangers are hot on their trail. Yes. And that is why we are bringing this to a conclusion of the Bronco Bridges trail. Mm-hmm. Because he's one of them rangers. Bronco Bridges here plays a... Lawman, a good old boy. and this is a western. It's it a neo western, they call it. A neo western. Yeah. What would what what neo is in? Uh, <laughs> neo is in new, I guess. Neo is in new. So the the basic idea is it's like it's you know it's it's a it's a take on what's that? Oh, I keep forgetting this this movie. Someone in the Sundance Kid. Oh, Billy Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> I was gonna say Billy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> Billy and the Sundance. If your, if your name was Billy, and then you had this guy Robert Redford, who's called the Sundance Kid, you'd be, you'd be like, like oh. "Wish I had a cool name." Yeah. <laughs> How about Butch Cassidy? Oh yeah, yeah that could do. Pretty good. It's you know, it's it's this duo that are doing bank robberies and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a lawman who's out to get him. Yeah. Um, it's very simple. And it's set in Texas, you know. Sheridan, it's just re- replacing horses for, with uh, pickup trucks. Well, basically. and that's the thing. It is, I mean, so much of this film is <clears> about <throat> the exploration between old versus new. Yes. Oh, yeah. And how it's kind of, it's a fun, I like the play between, it's kind of talking about how 
in modern day, like there's very many, many scenes mm. where there's that scene in the diner with the good old boys sitting there and talking to the talking to Bridges, being like, "Wow, Rob Mace doesn't seem like he could do that to survive." And, he, and like, there's, yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. a scene with actually Taylor Sheridan, the writer, makes a cameo where he's riding on yeah. horseback, uh, you know, and he's just the away from the blaze, and he's like, I "Can't like as if I." You know, of like course I, I can't get my kids yeah. into into this life because it's like I'm in the 21st century. I'm he calls it, away he calls it nonsense. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just um, right. and so much of it, yeah, is about like. I mean, a lot of westerns towards that end of the glory days for westerns mm-hmm. in like the late 60s, early 70s yep. was about how it was reflecting on the time as the westerns were kind of mm-hmm. falling away as a genre. Mm-hmm. Those westerns were ironically. Um, or kind of poetically focused mm. on the time of the old West where the frontiers were kind yeah. of, you know, becoming few and far between. Yeah, and, yeah. The patches you know, on the map were getting filled in. Yeah, and law was coming into the, you know. Railways were, into, like, bridging all the gaps. Yeah, and so there was less room for, you know, the the chaos or mm. I guess the, some would call it, like, freedom of the West. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's very much what Butch Cassidy and Sundance yes. is about. It's like these two last dudes who are almost like the yeah. last two real outlaws. Yeah. And um, it also, it also, um, I mean, all those westerns are obviously all coming from a you know western colonial perspective, like white dudes taking over the frontier yeah. or whatever. This one is a bit of a flip on that. It plays yes. on that because it does, um, which is something I completely missed going into it the first time. Right, I will admit that went right over my head. The elements of Jeff Bridges' character being uh, yeah, he's like very half Native American, half Mexican. Yeah, well, I mean, they keep on referring. I mean, the the original film was the the original title was called Comancheria, right? Yes, which um, refers to the Comanches kind of land, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I thought that was like the the region that they held, or the the yes, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into all that because I don't fully understand it, but it's really fun to talk about or interesting to talk about, I should say. Yeah, I don't really have much of a take or an understanding of what was mm. like how he broached a lot of that stuff. Like yeah. when you talk about like if like how Bridges' character is essentially defined by his racism in a way. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think really it, know what that is saying. Yeah. Well, I, I think it speaks to this. So obviously his lawman, he is set for retirement. He's been kind of not forced into retirement, but mm. like he's at an age where now the, the police or wherever he works is like said, it's time for you to retire basically. Mm. So he's kind of coming to terms with that because he has no idea what he's going to have, what he has, what he can do once he retires. Cause this is his, his, his entire life. Um, he feels outdated in a way. And I think he's very laid back, casual. Well, he's, he's very strong banter and, Casual racism with his partner is outdated as well. I think mm. uh, that's something that I don't know, plays into his whole. What would you say his arc? I guess mm. he's realizing that he's outdated in a sense. Yeah, what yeah. my take. Yeah, I think so. Um, what I will say before we get into all that stuff, though, because mm. that is interesting. But when I w- so yeah, when I walked into this movie first time, two thousand sixteen, I walked out going, eh, didn't like it, and then I never really looked back at it for a very long time. Until we did, like you love that movie. Why do you like that movie? Yeah, it would always be like, what the fuck, man? And he'd always say like, and same thing with Zakaria. He'd be like, why Zakaria? Yeah, yeah. He sucks. I'm like, yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> but when I rewatched this movie, uh, in the lead up for this, because obviously it's good to watch the movie we're talking about. <laughs> Not come in with, and I definitely did opinion. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hating this movie. Um, what happens in it again? When I rewatched it and read the script, I was like, actually, you know what? I think I was way too harsh on this film, and a lot of the stuff it was talking about, I completely 
didn't catch. Yeah. Just went over my head. Yeah. And I liked it a lot more. I was like, this has gone up at least two stars. Wow. Show. So it's like. From a a two and a half. Four and a half now. Well, okay, that's actually a bit too strong. Uh, from a one, <laughs> from a one to a three. Okay. Or a three and a half, maybe. Okay. Um, now that some time has passed, yeah. I've reevaluated again. Yeah. And it's sunk down again back to like a, a three. Okay. Sort of. okay. I still appreci- I appreciate it a lot more, what it did. See, for me... But when I watched it the second time, I enjoyed it. Now I just appreciate it for what it did. Yeah, okay, right. right. So yeah. for me... You're the pretty much the reverse of that. Well, well, I mean, I watched it and came out and I was like, five stars, two thumbs up for this guy. <laughs> yeah. Hell or high or water. And then, yeah. and then I watched it again and I really liked it still. But I guess, I don't know if I'm being fair with it because a lot of the... Th- like the thematics kind of jumped off because it's so bare bone mm. because like, and Sheridan admits this. He's like, he said in an interview, he's like, I just wanted to make the story as simple as possible so I could focus on the characters. I'm allergic to exposition. Yeah. That's why I picked simple plots. So yeah. Simple about plots. Characters. It's about two brothers yeah. robbing banks to make enough money to buy their mm-hmm. land back. And yeah. it's about the, the, the plan to do that. So it's very simple. Oh, yeah. And it's literally, the movie's got like six or seven characters in it. It's, you know, bare bone. Mm. And, I think I really, I, I still really like that element, but as a, when I was watching it yeah, as a younger, like, viewer, the thematics were, they seemed more subtle. So the commentary, the commentary about the state of America at that time, mm-hmm. like, the, with all the housing crisis and the banks, yep. you know, and just the power that they have. It's held. definitely a recession reaction film. Yeah, and yeah. there's so many kind of panning shots or, or going, um, uh, shots on the road, like driving past, you know, like mm. vacant houses and billboards about yeah. bank loans. It does hit you over the head with it. Well, that's the thing. Watching it now, yeah. that subtlety was lost a little bit where I was like, oh, because oh, I think I was just, it, it felt like it was jumping off the page a bit mm. too much. Mm. And yeah. so I would say that, and not that stars is everything, but if, if I would was to put it in that, those terms, mm. I would say five stars, two thumbs up for this guy walking out <laughs> and walking back in, I'd say it's maybe more like a four now. Okay. But I think That's it's still wonderful. It's still great. There's yeah. just things that I didn't rec- like, not to skip ahead, but even mm. just the, like the, at, towards the ending, the conversation that Jeff and uh, has with Chris Pine, who plays mm. the lead, I, I, I remember that differently in my head. In my no, head, no. that was very much a conversation that they had where they were kind of viewing each other as equals and mm. respecting what each other did. Yep. Watching it again, I was like, fuck, are they going to shoot each other right now? Like, I was actually yeah. thinking, are they going to pull each other's guns out? Yeah. And also, when they walked away mm. and it kind of ends, like I was like, there still feels like there's this animosity mm. there where neither one of them... Or maybe I didn't even feel like... I didn't feel like Jeff Bridges respected what Chris Pine did at all. Oh, hell no. No, I think he was hell like... Hell no. In, but in my memory, I was like, ah, oh, they kind of like did a bit of a nod and were like, yeah, yes. yeah I get why you did it. He, it he's was, like... I he... love the line at the end where he's like, this is going to haunt you forever. Yes. Like, this is going to haunt both of us. And I think that is ultimately the comment on... Uh, like, the, the, the consequences in this mm. film for what happens to the mm. characters, that is so rarely seen in a modern... In an old mm. Western. Like, in, and that's in a Western where the main character, the hero, mm. um, you know... They might kill a few people. You see the spaghetti westerns of Clint Eastwood or even um, uh, The Big Country, which is um, a film where Gregory Peck plays a character who is, like, quintessentially not from the Wild West. And yet even he kills or, like, shoots a man in that film, you know? So he goes for yeah. this kind of... And he still does it honourably or whatever, yeah. but he enacts violence, whereas Chris Pine doesn't kill anyone in this film. The actions that he takes results in people's deaths. Yeah. But he, he's a guy at the end of the film who's gotten everything that he set out to get, 
except he's paid a heavy price for it. Mm. And that's what they focus on. Mm. Like we focus on the fact, okay, yeah, he got the house and all everything's set up. His boys yep. are not going to be poor anymore. Yep. But with more thinking about like the toll that he's mm. going to live with as it, like the price he had to pay to get basically mm. to, to get like something that we should all have, which is like basic human mm. living conditions, mm. like, you know, enough money to stay above the bread line, all that kind of stuff. He's had to go that he's been, he's that desperate to achieve it that four people have died, including his brother yep. and Jeff Bridges' partner. And that's yes. the thing that's like, well, you're going you're gonna to be pretty fucked up from that. And yeah. that's not what they would do in a, in a normal old Western. It'd be like, ride them, cowboy, yeah. Yeah, like have, riding would have John Wayne jump with, over with a, a four-pillar fence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> woo, woo. Which is pretty much the ending of, well, it is the ending of True Grit, yeah, right? because yeah. he's just like, well, we killed a guy. Yeah, woo. we did. Yeah, or, or you know, off, you know, um, riding into the sunset with the woman that you've yeah. saved or whatever it is. Yeah. Know? It's a very modern... Yes to everything Yes to everything you said, but my problem with that scene is I feel as if the, I feel as if the movie doesn't know where it stands with these characters mm. in a way. Like, I feel like the, the, material, the material is really good, but the direction... The director's name I can't even remember. What is it again? Some, David McKenzie? Uh, just David McKenzie. Right I think you might be right. Like, yeah, David yeah. McKenzie, yeah. I feel like he just didn't know where he wanted to position the audience in that scene, especially when, and this is a problem that runs throughout <clears throat> the entire movie for me, like his mm. choice of soundtrack to end this movie. Mm. Such an odd choice. Because, it's like a like very said, modern it has that haunting, country it, song, isn't it? Yeah, like they have, he has that talk about, this is going to haunt you for the rest of your life. And then he says, come meet me here if you ever want to talk again. Yeah. And, you know, they allude to maybe potentially like settling this score. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit either with like violence or just talking some more. Yeah. But then it just ends on this like, Brian Wishkin. You said before about a week ago that uh, after we just watched it, yep. you were like, the needle drops, you had a massive problem with the needle yeah. drops. Yeah. So. And look, they probably are. I mean, it's, you know, it's set in Western Texas or whatever. It all fits in that way. But like, they just, it, it seems like it's leaning into itself a bit too much mm. especially nick cave score as well i thought it was just leaning into that like rustic well, sentimentality a bit too much the dichotomy like, okay. of nick's cave score yeah. and then the needle drops oh yeah they jumped out at me more than they had in the pre in the first watching yeah in the first viewing yeah um it, i don't know if they bothered me but it was yeah. like because some of them like i love the cut where i think they've just so it's just after so um chris chris pine mm. um his his name's toby in this film Oh, yeah. And his brother is played by Ben Foster, whose name's Tanner. Yeah. And Toby is a very intelligent mm. dude who's worked out how to, you know, mm. operate these robberies in a way that will go kind of undetected. They're just hitting this certain brand of uh, bank, yeah. um, which is Texas Midlands, yeah. who they actually owe the money to. So they're kind of paying them back in their own money yeah. in this kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, very Texan, uh, uh, yeah. Know, they're robbing, they're being like a Robin Hood. Yeah. Way. They're robbing the robbers. And at one now. stage, kind of halfway or, you know, a quarter into the film, Ben Ben Foster, his character Tanner, uh, kind of goes rogue because he's, mm -hmm. he's like a wild dog compared Twitchy, to... Twitchy, yeah. Yeah, yep. compared to Toby. He goes and robs a bank that is uh, kind of off the off the beaten track, or like just not on the not on the plan to do yes. what they're doing. It's not a Texas Midlands bank. Yeah, and he does so it So it's alone. like it's... Yeah, it's someone, it's an institution they don't want to victimize. I it's guess. opportunistic, yeah. Yeah, exactly. and it's, yeah, and it's and he, wild. And he runs in, there's a cut where he runs back to the car. Toby's like, holy shit, what the hell have you done? They drive off yeah. the music, or the music doesn't start yet, but they drive off, mm. and Toby's hitting him, being like, you're an asshole. Yeah. And Ben Foster just looks at him and just screams. He's just like, yeah, and like that. And then it cuts. <laughs> 
to like a, a, so I know I love that cut because you get it's like the or he like he gives a whoop or something which yeah. just is so um indicative of his character yeah. that is just kind of he gets off on this stuff yeah it's like he's yeah, a, yeah. He, he is and in many ways he is kind of the cowboy to Toby's like civilized and well I don't know like Toby's civil- the reluctant cowboy yes he's yeah. a reluctant criminal. He doesn't yeah. want anyone to get hurt. Yeah. He, he, they're going to the banks as early as possible in the morning, yeah. not only for a lack of police, but also a lack of people. Yeah. Um, they don't want to move on a bank that is filled with people that yeah. something might happen because everyone's packing in, yeah. in this state. Oh, like, yeah. And they're only robbing from the tells. Tells? The registers. Or tellers? Tellers. Yeah. So they don't get like the, they don't get um, uh, bags of money that have the, the ink explosion, the ink yeah, explosion. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and the ink pack, yeah, and they're only taking. So they're robbing very small amounts of money, but five, just the amount, and 20s. yeah, just the amount they need, yeah, five tens, untraceable. That's it. Yeah, yeah. and then taking them to the to the yeah. casino, getting that money changed, yeah. and going back to my earlier point. So yeah. you said so when you watched that ending scene the first time, you were like, "Cool, there's like some kind of mutual respect, mutual respect, and yeah." This is what I was kind of saying because that doesn't seem like the intention of the scene on a rewatch, but then that music, that choice of music suggests your first interpretation mm. in a way where it's like, yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. They They've got like other. a mutual, yeah, we're going to play some cool, uh, some cool country music. Yeah. Mm. Seems incongruent to me. Yeah. I, I also, agree. even like, even like, and this is another problem I have with the, the film, um, is Chris Pine's performance in that scene. He just, he comes off as really indignant. Like, it, it seemed like the script was trying to say he is, he does feel haunted by his actions in a way. Mm. Or like he's, he's, he's wearing the weight of his actions a little bit. Mm. But then his performance almost seemed to say like, I don't, like it's, I, I didn't do anything bad. I was just doing this for my family. I yeah, think, I think yeah. Bridges has that line where he says, um, yeah, but you set this thing in motion, which means mm. you did kill these people. And Chris, I think Chris, Chris Pine's response to that is, I shouldn't say Chris Pine, he's, Toby, Toby. Toby. He's I think like, we did it all throughout the, the <laughs> yeah, episode. That's true. That's true. He's just like, I'll shoot you. <laughs> he just threatens to shoot him or something yeah. in that scene. Yeah. Um, which he's in his rights to do because this guy's trespassing on his, trespassing on his lawn mm. or whatever. Um, so, yeah. That kind of made me, my eyes widen where Jeff yeah. Bridges, he's like, I could shoot you right here. And that, Jeff Bridges is like, yeah. you can do that, me within your rights. I was like, what? <laughs> Jeff, that's crazy. You're Jeff's, just walking up to the fence. His performance is so good. And his nomination yeah, was deserved this year. But like his mouth throughout this trilogy has been getting wider and wider open. <laughs> <laughs> with each with each. We could film. have called this, this uh, the widening. <laughs> you're right i think because he doesn't me. his mouth doesn't close once no to get in this to, entire film i swear to get to <laughs> yeah it's always just <laughs> to get to the meat and potatoes of, of why we did this trilogy i think definitely this is his best work across this trilogy this argument i like to make true, true bit more yeah i, I like, like this i like this there's an argument that this... rapd is better <laughs> you could say yeah because it's he's a bad playing argument he's, no he's the mvp in a bad team so it's like yeah he stands he's, out he's still yeah. the best yeah i i i would say that i would say that this film oh actually true grit i mean true grit the thing is that I think I maybe didn't get across in the True Good episode is mm. that the Coens have a way of making their films feel like, feel written. Mm. Uh, I guess in the way that kind of Aaron Sorkin, like with mm. his incredible dialogue that, you know, it would take someone five yeah. years to think of a good yeah. comeback like that, but they come up with it in three seconds in this big argument they're having mm. on the screen. 
like you kind of like, well, this feels written, but it's so beautifully written. I don't really care. Yeah. I think that's and also that's the same as I feel about the Coens, yeah. where I'm like, this is so strange, and the characters are playing this so deadpan yeah. that this I can see the workings mm. of this thing. I can yeah. see the director stepping in and being like, yeah. why don't you do like this kind of thing? You know, like like take like you know do this stuff like kind of like Wes Anderson style. Like it's style very, yeah, very is, precise. Yeah, they they like I think there's stories of them like. Picking the exact moments to start on words or something. Well, like but that's that. the thing; it's not necessarily making sure there's even, no contractions in there. It's their, not even the precision that they're delivering it with. It's mm. more just the style, the rhythm, like the rhythm, the the tone. That has a lot everything. to do with the book as well, because a lot of the all the dialogue pretty much was lifted straight mm. from the book, and that yeah. book has the same kind of yeah. melodic. Whereas this film, and that's why I kind of was like, oh, I mean, is is Jeff the MVP of this? Because I'm like. Hmm? Every, 100%. I, I, 100%. I personally think everyone's fantastic in this. Oh, yeah. yeah um, but I think that they're given more freedom to just play it naturally and yeah. feel like real characters. There's only one. See, I would I would almost argue that Ben Foster, uh, who plays the brother, is, He's great. is kind of maybe the gold medal. I like him a lot more in the second viewing as well. I'm so saying. there's one moment that I'm like, it detracts though, ah. which is I feel like I'm like, ooh. So, like, and I think it's because I don't quite understand. Well, I understand. I don't. I don't know if I like the scene. Okay. And this is always difficult territory to deal with and talk about. Where mm. it's like, um, it's in the casino, mm. and he's playing cards yep. against the Native American. They yep. kind of, they kind of very quickly become rivals. Yeah, the command, the Comanche man, Comanche, Comanche. man, and. Yeah. Ben Foster, I like the dynamic where Ben Foster goes all in or mm. like or puts a lot. He's he's winning quite easily, and then they the only show the only hand that they show him uh, actually playing is mm. when he puts money down mm. and he says, "Don't chase me, chief." Yeah, and the Native American man takes his glasses off and kind of gives him a look yep. and puts money down, like mm. calls that makes him call, and you see that Ben's you see that uh, Tanner's bluffing. Yeah, and that's kind of his character. Is he he is all that kind of like just you know all bark no bite kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, and I liked that they did that because mm. it was it was like I thought that was a nice way to show that. Mm. But then the chat they have afterwards, mm. where he's like, you know, I'm Comanche. Do you know what that means? Yep. It means enemies of everyone. Mm. And Ben Foster says, you know what that makes me? It makes me a Comanche. Mm. The delivery of that line, and maybe it's just because it's clunky, like it's it's like a white man saying he's Comanche. It just feels, I'm like, no, yeah, this feels, yeah, yeah, yeah. this feels dated. But it, it does feel weird. And I know what he's saying. He's like, I'm enemies with everyone as well. So that makes yeah. me a Comanche by default. Yes. And But I don't like the way they frame it where they're like, yeah, he got one up on this guy. Like it, yeah. it, it, I don't the, the the setup to the scene with the cards and how Ben's uh, how Tanner's bluffing mm. and all that I thought was really great mm. and then I thought oh, but that really that ended badly where it's like and I don't know if it's yeah it just it just felt clunky and the delivery actually in, just in terms of acting it's the, the delivery the, was the the problem, the, yeah. the um it makes me a Comanche that thing it was I was like nah, that didn't was, work didn't work and I think it's both because of I think the it worked for me matter, interestingly but, enough yeah I think yeah. it worked for me on the first viewing I was like ah. Of course it did. <laughs> Two thumbs up, five stars. You had no problems. You had literally no, problems with this no issue with the film whatsoever. But this is getting into the real nitty gritty of it. Like this is, you know, what podcasts are for to kind of evaluate stuff that was never meant to be looked at twice. Yeah, we're going in. We're going myopic with this one. Yeah. We're but, going for myopic. I mean, Jeff Bridges in this film, he's he is the most natural I've seen him yeah. since Lebowski, which is impressive because yeah. Lebowski, obviously another Cohen. And, and a completely different character. As well. Completely different character. Lebowski feels like he's playing himself in a way. Yeah, okay. and then weirdly enough, this film feels like he could be playing another version of himself when he's like an old man. Like you know, if if he if he grew up in Texas, no, 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 no. <laughs> I feel like I could see Jeff Bridges. It's almost like, hey, uh, we got a 
We got the left-leaning Jeff Bridges for Big Lebowski. All we got right. the right-leaning Jeff Bridges for... Let's take this one person and put them in... Put them in extremes. Put like them what, in LA would... and put them in Western Texas yes. and see what they would become. See, and that's exa- and yeah. yes, that's a perfect way to it's put it. It's the nature versus nature thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like if he grew up in Texas, he would. I would believe him to be this man. Where he does, like, yeah. a long horns got a good team this year. Like that yeah. kind of just... He's, he's so natural. He talks so easily and fluidly and just like... I, I love the... I love the. It feels like every take was like one take, and he just. Yeah. I don't know. He feels like he's been doing this job for a very, very long time. Mm. Like he's so natural with everything he does. Mm. It's one of those things where, like, the acting. Obviously, he's playing a very, um, very interesting character with lots of depth to him. But like, it feels so, for lack of a better word, uh, uh, naked almost. Where he's like, he just like he just seems like he's. You know, put on his outfit and he's walked in onto the job. Yep. Like he's done it a million times before. Yeah. Like he feels like a cop who's been doing this pretty much all his life. Yeah. And that's what makes it so sad for me is because he knows like his days are numbered mm. in a way. Yeah. And he doesn't have much to like go to. Like his wife has yeah. passed away. Yeah. He just like he's got see... no interest outside of like watching sports. Yeah. It's really and just even then it's like a passing long. interest. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. you know flicking on. Yeah. Um. There was a scene that I noticed that made me laugh a lot, which oh, yeah. I don't think I heard properly in the cinema, maybe where, because we established that uh, Jeff Bridges' character, Marcus Hamilton, yep. we haven't said yet, um, he, his partner, mm. um, whose name's Alberto, is played by Gil Birmingham, yeah. uh, he's a half Mexican, half Native mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. character, and yet he admits to be Catholic at one stage, where he's got yeah. the TV on with the... the yeah. um, and I love Bridges' like reaction to just any kind of like any of that stuff. Where if it comes on the radio and it's like, geez, like there's literally a moment where he's like, "Come on, we we when they find them, yeah. he's like, come on, yeah, we'll put on some giddy up music." Yeah. and they turn it on and it's just like, Jesus died for us." Like it's like a country rock, like uh, you know, Christian rock, Christian yeah, rock yeah, yeah. channel. And he's just like, "Oh, please, not that." And it cuts <laughs> please, away. not that. He's it's great. Um, we yeah. never really talked much about like. Uh, Maybe we did, but I don't think we did talk much about like Jeff Bridges' like career as a whole. His kind of upbringing as an actor and his training. Yeah, and everything. yeah. Do you know much about his training and all that? I I know that uh, he self admits to be like a product of nepotism because of right. his father. Um, yeah, I know he like he's Bridges. he learned pretty much everything he knows about acting from his father. Yeah, he worked think, on Sea Hunt, was it the the show that they? That did sounds together? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a naval yeah. cop show, I think. But even just outside of the the shows, like it was just at home. It was like he was learning how to act from his father. Like his yeah. dad was giving him lessons. Like let's try this. Yeah, like kind of stuff, which sounds great. And then his mm. brother Bo Bridges as well, just mm. an acting family. Is he a lot older than Jeff? I think I want to say nine years for some reason. Yeah, okay. But I feel, I felt like when on... the way Jeff was talking about it, felt like a big age difference. Yeah, where he'd be like, yeah, my brother would help me out. Like he's quite a bit older than him. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, he had a few more life lessons than Jeff, than Jeff when they were younger, I guess. Mm. Um, he did he did some training at a school in New York. I forget the name of it, but he didn't stay very long. He was like, meh. Yeah, that seems to be a a a, uh, a pattern in his like twenties yeah. where he was he he said in an interview I heard where he was not obsessed or in love with acting to a point where he thought he was going to do it forever. Mm. Uh, and he was actually more interested in kind of music and playing in yeah, and photography, and, like that, and, yeah. photography. and he oh, like very much boring. creatively minded, but definitely not, um, not just kind of devoted to the one thing. And he said that his dad gave him the advice where he was like, but Jeff, don't you see like acting is a profession that allows you to delve into those passions. Yeah. And he actually said to him, he was like, you like music? Like, 
you get the chance to play some music as a, as oh, a literally. career. Like, wow. you'll, play, you'll play a musician. Is that your Lloyd Bridges impersonation? I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty similar to Jeff in a way. I'm trying to think. I can only remember him. I've only seen him, I think. I haven't seen Airplane, but like um, Hot Shots. Actually, wait. No, I have heard him talk. Oh, yeah? Lloyd Bridges plays the character in Seinfeld, uh, Mandelbaum. Yeah, of course. That's Mandelbaum. right. Mandelbaum. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you young punk. Yeah, I think it's it. something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, always, yeah I always go the bald dude in that episode where he's like, <laughs> Come on, Dad. Yeah, let's go. Um, so, yeah, no, he said to him, he's like, you get the chance to play a musician. And, and yeah. of course, he then won the Oscar for... Sure did. For, Played the hell out of it. Yeah. yeah. Crazy Heart. I was nearly said Brave Heart. <laughs> <laughs> I want okay because this is about obviously him doing three cowboy movies in a row. Yes. Um, someone asked him. I think it was Will Arnett in that podcast they do, um, Smartless or whatever. Yep. Jeff Bridges appeared on that. Um, Will asked him about how he picks his roles and like he does so many different roles and there's no like there's no sign of typecasting happening at all throughout his career. And he has these great like these great. Um, runs where he's doing like a particular type of a character and then he's shifting to another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff recalls he was on a job once and the director was looking for a cast member. Uh, was looking to cast someone for a role. I can't remember what. I can't remember what movie either or which director. But Jeff suggested casting his dad Lloyd. He's like, you should cast, you should cast my dad, man. <laughs> and then the director was like, uh, no, I can't really cast him. He's more of a comedian, right? And like Jeff. I don't know. No, I don't know much about Lloyd's career, but he's not just a comedian. He does lots of different roles, obviously dramatic and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, Jeff was like, "What? He's not just a comedian. He does all these different things." And he was trying to prove to him that like he's more than just this one thing. And so ever since that day, he's been trying to make sure he doesn't get cast into any kind of mold and make yeah. sure he wants to make sure that like his dad, he kind of does it all. Yeah, in a way. And yet yeah. here we are, cashing Magic Cowboy. And we're literally yeah, we've just uh, <laughs> we've put him into this cowboy. He listens thing. to this. He's like, no. No, <laughs> um, no, I agree. I think he's. I think that's and that's kind of he's kind of one of those actors as well. Where, um, for the like when he was doing that GQ uh, YouTube thing that was like looking at his most like how could we forget? He was like so good. He said at one point like eight movies in, he was like, "Gee, I made some good pictures." <laughs> He kind of didn't even realize. A humble like, brag. Yeah, he was like, wow, I've been in brag. some cool movies. And you're right, he's been like, you know, Tron is like a bit oh, of a yeah. sci-fi piece. A uh, very, very like of, important sci-fi film. Yeah, and like he's, and you know, obviously uh, Big Lebowski, you know, like yeah. a smaller cult film that kind of took over like a, like a generation of, of kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. Delivery and comedy and a bit of. The like, image a of a man of in, a, in a dressing gown and shorts and thongs and glasses is yeah. like holding milk probably. <laughs> yeah. It's no, stapled into. Any moviegoer, pretty much. He's a and and to to not only have appeared in so many things, but to have been good in so many, like to yeah. have, you know, kind of. He told a story on a podcast that I heard where, so this is nineteen seventy two, and he was born in forty nine. So he was like, what mid twenty? He was like early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. This is when he was kind of, um, going between acting, singing, yeah. not really sure. And he said that he just finished up. Um, I think it was Bad Company or mm. Last American Hero, maybe some something where he. He had played in. He was like, I think I'm. I think I want to take a break. Like I'm not loving yeah. acting right now. Yeah. He'd been acting for what looks like about, well, ten years. So he'd have his Oscar nom by now. Uh, no. Last Picture think. Show. Is that what he? Yeah, but that was Last American Hero. Last this American Hero. Last Hero, Picture what? Show was. When was that? Was his first Oscar nomination? Oh, okay, right. Oh no, so yeah, maybe yeah. I think he had actually yeah. Okay, because I remember him yes, saying last in... Picture Show. Last Picture Show. He played. Uh, 
Dwayne Jackson, 1971. Yeah, I just remember him saying, even though yep. I'd already got a nomination and I was still thinking, do I want to be an actor? Yeah, he did a lot of TV series and then TV movies and then he yeah. did The Last Picture Show. Got nominated for a Best Actor in a Motion Picture yep. Academy, which was yep. crazy to do when he first go out. Oh, yeah. And then he thinks, yeah, look, I'm kind of unsure. He's kind of oscillating between the two yeah. like decisions. And he gets a call from, um, who would have done I'm just looking at now, the director of The Iceman Cometh. John Frankenheimer. The funniest title to any so good. It sounds dope. What is it about? A salesman with a sudden passion for reform has an idea to sell to his barfly buddies. Throw away your pipe dreams. The drunkards living in a flop house above a saloon resent the idea. And you have lost me. What? All right. That title was so good and then you just a lost me so quick. A salesman with a sudden passion for reform yeah. has an idea to sell to his barfly buddies. Throw away your pipe dreams. The drunkards living in a flop house above a saloon resent the idea. What the hell? That is the most Boulder Dash level. It's like, a four hour title. movie as well. Fuck that. <laughs> the Iceman cometh. Anyway. I'm sure it's great. I mean, it probably is. It has Jeff Bridges in it and it has a cool title, but that well, um, the way he tells, didn't win me over. The way he tells his story no is he gets a call from Frankenheimer to be yeah. like, or his agent being like, hey, Frankenheimer wants you in as a lead for this film. Wow. And he was like, oh, man, I don't know. I think I'm going to take a break for a bit. I don't know if I want to act. And it already then, sounds 80. Uh, 80. <laughs> you know the impersonation you're doing. And then, and then um, he, re- yeah, so he, like, rejects it. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And then he gets a call from, like, a, I can't remember the guy's name, like a famous actor who was, mm-hmm. get, who was in that film yeah. who goes, like, I heard you just, uh, this is five minutes after he said yeah. no. And this is in the 70s, so I don't know how this guy heard it, but he's like, uh, Jeff, I heard you just, uh rejected Frankenheimer for uh, the Iceman comic, the lead in that picture. And Jeff was like, I'm kind of busted. Like, I'm kind of busted on acting kind of thing. And he was yeah. like, you're busted. You're an ass. And then he <laughs> hung up. And so Jeff was like, wow. Oh. And he thought about it. I think he talked uh, to his dad and his dad was like, look, you're not. like." Well, I think he just thought to himself, look, professionals, to be a professional is to do the thing when you don't always want to do the thing. Wow. So I don't want to really be acting right now. Damn. But I think maybe like this is a chance to try it when I don't want to do it and see what that feels like. And if I hate it, I won't do it again. But he's like, I may as well try it. And then he did it and obviously liked it enough to the point where he's like, yeah, I think I can do this forever. Where mm-hmm. even if I go up and down in my career, like enjoyment-wise, I think I'd still be able to just do it. In Have a, a net that... positive. Yeah. So that was some big... good advice, Lloyd. Holy. Well, I don't know if that was, smart. I think the way Jeff described it was he just kind of thought about it himself. Maybe. Oh, okay. But uh, I just like that quote from the unnamed actor that was just like, you're an ass. <laughs> I don't know who that man was. Yeah. I'm a genius. Um, we should do a plot, a plot summary here. Yeah. Run through, we should run through Hello High Water. The people, the, the listeners want to know. They want to know what happens in the movie they've probably seen. What came first, Hell or High Water? Well, we're going to find out. Um, yeah. So basically the robberies commence. Um, there's a certain amount of money they need to make, which I think is something like 54000 or something. Some It's like a lot of money, but it's also like not a lot of money yeah. in movies. In it's movie the, terms, it's a tiny amount yeah. of money. You expect it to be something big, like in Tower Heist. Like, yeah. It needs to be a lot. Tower Heist? No, Tower Heist. That's your reference for movies? For, for I like, did a lot of research for RIPD. Somehow that was linked to it. I think it had something to do with the score. 
Is there a They trilogy? rob a lot of gold in Tower Heist. There's not a trilogy involved. Don't go down that rabbit hole. Maybe. I keep annoying Tari by <laughs> my dumb trilogy ideas that are linked purely by <sighs> names as opposed to actual thematics or actors or directors. Not even names necessarily. Just loose, loose. Well, yeah, like for that. Nebulous connection. For that one, I could be like, okay, Tower Heist, like. Towering Inferno. Yeah, I would be like. The Tower were, Trilogy. Yeah, Two yeah, Towers. Ta- yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've done it now. That's pretty good. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to draw, trying to draw comparisons between those is pretty difficult. Yeah, I mean we're struggling enough as it is with Jeff Bridges here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to spin that wheel. Um, <laughs> I need out. <laughs> we're gonna get another random one that we've like. like oh, yeah, we've made up. Like the oh, put this in here. The genie in the bottle. Genie in yeah. the bottle trilogy. We'll do that one. Um, uh, yeah. So basically, oh, the robberies commence. Jeff Bridges and his uh, partner um, Alberto get on the case. We find out quickly that uh, <clears throat> Jeff is going to be retiring real soon. This is his last case, basically. Yeah. Which gives him a certain energy that he's like, ooh, this is like a... This is, he works out pretty quickly from the, the, the crime report that he's like, ooh, this is a smart... This is smart robbery. Like, this mm-hmm. is, this, these guys are smart. I, I need to... These are, what do you say? No, these weren't tweakers. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They're all debating about tweakers because yeah, tweakers like, rob early in the... Late at night or something. Yeah. It's too early in the morning for tweakers. <laughs> I guess they're um, tweaking. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, next up, it's it's very, like, loose, not loose plot, but it's a very simple plot where they just, they they sit, they talk more, we learn more about their character, they go hit the next bank. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much it. That's pretty much the structure of the entire film. It's like, all right, we have time to kill until the next robbery. Yeah, and I guess... Let's find out more about each other. It's or an let's, exploration let's let the of, audience find out more about each other. An exploration of the dynamics between yeah. Chris Pine and... Well, Toby and, yes. uh, and, and Tanner. We learn where their paths diverged. And so we get the sense this was written explicitly in the script. I can't remember if it comes out in the movie very well, but it's hinted out here and there with the fact that he owns so many rifles. There's some graffiti on the wall, on a wall, referring to the Iraq war. Um, why did I say Iraq war? Like I was... <laughs> Iraq. <laughs> the Iraq war. <laughs> um, that uh, Tanner was, uh, he's a vet. So... What? Yeah, he's a vet, like a like a military man, military man. I didn't get which that which adds. All. Um, I got that he was. It's very it's of, it's I very thought... hard to get in the movie alone because like in the in the script they ex- he explicitly says just like in the army brother says so something like that. Oh. Something like after their first robbery, it's like just like in the army brother getting up early before, you know. Whoa! I yeah, didn't get yeah. that at all. I just got. I do you which think... explains why he's so good with rifles and like why he's so. But like, do you think that's so is lost. that I, that might, it's one thing if it's brought up in the script, but is that. Is that in the movie at all? Because the whole backstory for him is that he's been in jail. I'm tr- well. I'm trying to think because again, there is a reference to the Iraq War, and again, that plays into the idea of like veterans amongst whole, you know, mm-hmm. host of other Americans have been left behind or ignored or like just kind of left to rot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the wake of the GFC or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's all I can really really remember. Mm. I, again, I watched it too long ago now. <laughs> if you had asked me this the week I, I don't, watched it. I don't it. recall any, any. I mean, apart from his knowledge of weaponry, yep. I don't recall any direct link to him being a vet. It's all about him being mm. uh, kind of dismissed by his mother who's yep. now died mm. and um, so, so much to the point where he's written out of the will yep. and he's been in jail for the last yep. like decade it almost. It doesn't feed much into the movie, but again, it just kind of... Adds an extra layer to the film where it's like, here's another group of people that have been fucked over by the system or whatever. Yes, And this is why he's so good with with guns as well. Um, But yeah, basically they've had very different life paths. Um, 
Toby's had a family uh, that he's, is an analogue. I think Taylor Sheridan, the writer, talks about... Um, he talks about Toby in a way being like him and that this film being dedicated to his children in a way where he's like... He felt like he owed his, uh, his child at the time something because, like, he, like we talked about earlier, he was a failed actor. or like He was an actor that wasn't making ends meet, basically. Mm. Uh, and he, he had this child on the way and he was like, I need to make it as a writer or else this child will grow up in poverty and I can't allow that. And so he felt a lot of guilt knowing that he brought this child into the world without a plan for her or him, her, them. Mm. Anyway, uh, and so he, he, yeah, he projected a lot of himself into Toby, I think, because mm-hmm. he also has that guilt. He's raised these two children, to a point anyway, he's now left them in a, in a broken family and he's given them no kind of hope for a future. Mm. Like he says at the end, they're like, like poverty's like a disease yeah. and like he's given it to his children yeah. and he wants to make sure they're cured of that disease basically mm. um, this is actually this is actually a good point to talk, bring up Taylor's career because it is pretty pretty rad mm. I think it's so, so cool so he's a Texan he kind of grew up in I don't know if it was West Texas but Texas definitely a farmhand and that kind of plays into all of his work really mm. I mean like this one especially and then like Yellowstone definitely it's like mm. all about farmhands and stuff is that the correct term? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yellow Farmer hand? people? No, you know, Yellowstone and oh. farmhands. Oh, right. <laughs> Not farmhands. I don't know. Farmer people. Yeah, farmhand is correct. Cowboys. Basically just cowboys. He writes a lot about cowboys. Yeah. Um, anyway, he, he loved movies and knew, he knew he wanted to do something with movies, probably write or direct them, but he didn't know how to get in and he thought acting was the way in. Mm. He's like, I'll give that a try and that'll get me, you know, at least adjacent to what I like doing, which is creating stories, basically, telling yeah. stories. So he acted, and he wasn't in much. I think the biggest thing he got in was um, Sons of Anarchy. And he said he was pretty much just a vehicle for exposition. That's all he was doing. It was just, like, helping the plot move along. Mm. And it wasn't very interesting. And he didn't like acting that much to begin with. And he was like, I can... His contract was up for renewal on the show. And he was like, I can keep doing this and not rise much further because my ambitions aren't, you know, huge on this yeah. acting thing. So I'm not going to you know, make a lot of money doing this. Um, or I can follow my passion and write. Um, fuck it, I'll write. So he decides not to renew his contract. Um, he didn't have a job at the time. His wife maxes out her credit card so that he can buy a final draft subscription. Oh, my God. And it, he's writing his first script, which which just happens to be Sicario. That's so insane. And it's like, we talk a lot about, like, screenwriters who have to write for ages on different projects, like... Commercial things, writing ads or writing, I don't know, whatever you can think of. And then eventually getting onto TV in a writer's room as like an assistant or something like that. Yeah. And then getting to write an episode or something or like yeah. write a scene or something like that, which is like a journey you've kind of stepped towards, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the American system is far more geared towards the, like that writing assistant role. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, you kind of climb the ranks in a way until yeah. someone gives you a shot. Yeah. This fucking guy, he just comes out of it and he's like, I'll write Sicario, fine, yeah. fuck it. And then he writes it. I, yeah. I don't know how many drafts it took him and how, how much time it took him to get it done, mm. but then he gets picked up by, I don't know which production studio, but then eventually, you know, Villeneuve gets attached and then that cast, which is like Emily Blunt. The cast is jo- insane. Josh Brolin. For your first movie, you'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, and then... And he like, seems the amount pretty of chill press. about it. Yeah, he's just like... like that's the thing, he's like, yeah, it happened. He's then, that Texan cowboy guy where he's just like, yeah, it's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he wrote Hello High Water after that. Which gets Bridges, Chris Pine. Which he describes as like a first draft thing. Well, he, he says like, that he wrote this. that in like two months. 
if that. I think it might have even been like three weeks or something. But but Crazy. and people were like, whoa, and he was like, yeah, but I did a lot of planning before that and whatnot, which is obviously yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So this Taylor, like another writer, Dan Erickson, who just wrote Severance. Oh my god. He's just, <laughs> you look on their IMDb page and yeah. their first. The first, first thing they've written is just such it's a just hit. It's a home run. It's crazy. Yeah, but it, it really sparked the fences. I mean, we we're obviously doing this show because we love film and yep. you know talking about this stuff. But we obviously are in the background, like working on our own stuff and oh, trying yeah. to achieve this stuff ourselves. And it is. I find that stuff inspirational. Where it's like mm. these guys, you know, because there's a lot of pressure on people when they come out of school and yeah. or tertiary edu- education and like they're in there, like when they do film and TV studies mm. and things like that. And then they start out in the industry, like to just kind of like get successful or make yeah. it or break in or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. It's like I love stories like, you know, Vince Gilligan getting, you know, um, X Files yeah. like in his late twenties and then eventually doing yeah. Breaking Bad in his early forties. Yeah. Like, you know, just cho- cutting his teeth in that way. Mm. Taylor Sheridan just coming out of nowhere and doing that. Severance is a crazy one as well. Like I remember searching that guy and just being floored by his Lack of IMDb. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just, literally just severance. It's like, severance. cool, he did it. Yeah. You know, and I, I actually couldn't find much on that guy about, like, okay, so, like, has he worked in the industry? Does he yeah. know? Like, did he just... Apparently is, not, according to him. Yeah. yeah. And But it's like, okay, but how did he get Ben Stone? Like, it's all that stuff where you're like, what? Just posting on, on a website. Yeah. And then some production company saw it, passed it to Ben. Like, Ben, you do this thing. And he's like, okay. Crazy. I just yawned out of anger. Um. <laughs> 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 oh, Lord. Well, anyway, back to the plot. Basically, they're robbing banks. That's By the way, pretty much all we need to know. It's 43,000 free and clear. I wrote that down because it kind of floored me about how oh. little money they need in there. Like, yeah. again, a lot of money to us and to most people. But for a movie, yeah. that is a small amount of money. Again, it's like they're not going for spectacle here. No, it's not like not a crazy going for tower amount. heist. Level yes, tower heist. Good film. Check it Ferrari. out. Um, is that what that one is, or am I wrong? Yeah, Gold Ferrari. You yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's why I picked Tower Heist, because it has such an extravagant, like, uh, score. That's you know, it's a gold end, Ferrari. That's the one at the end where they show all the people in the houses getting a piece of the Ferrari and being like, yeah, like it's like a solid gold steering wheel. and people. Yeah, like, I think oh. so. It's like, what do I, how do I, what the fuck? <laughs> what am I? The most important thing, and this yeah. was a thing I didn't like when I first watched it, but liked it a lot more when I watched it a second time, mm-hmm. was Jeff's inaction at this point. Mm. He's figured out the game. They're targeting... Uh, Midlands, Texas Midlands, Texas Midlands banks, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, here's the Texas Midlands bank. I think they're sure to hit next. Yes, let's just stake it because out because they're avoiding the bigger branches. Yes, they're going to these small, dusty Blood old towns, towns that are just dying, yeah. and that opens up. That's one of my that is my favorite scene in the whole film, yeah. uh, which is between. There's two moments in this film that I love. I'll get yeah. to the other one later. Okay. This one is um, so it's the scene with Marcus and Alberto. Marcus sitting. That's it. Out in front of. The, they've just had their, mm. they've just had their T-bone steaks, um, mm. in that restaurant with the the rattlesnake <laughs> waitress, uh, who I seriously didn't think was a wait, like an actor. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is genuinely does, someone they've plucked from West Texas, who is a waitress and who's just did that, and they were yeah, like, oh, and it like literally lived the experience she talks about yeah. as well. But she's like, like, she said that to the director, and the director was like, say that again, but this time we're gonna roll <laughs> with Jeff Bridges and this. It's amazing. Nope, she's just a very good actor. Her name is uh, Debriana Mancini. Yeah. Uh, Vernon Diner waitress. Yeah, this is the, the picture of her on IMDb is like probably when she was in her 40s, it looks like. Wow. 
Wait, that's is that her? I can't tell. I can't see what you're looking at. That doesn't look like her. <laughs> but it must be. I mean, she's the waitress, right? Yeah, but there are so many waitresses in this film. That's true. It's like it's lousy with waitresses. <laughs> anyway, she's great. I don't see anyone. That Academy listed, Award so like panel they did for this movie, and it's just the two waitresses and then Alberta. Alberta, yeah, it's very <laughs> so funny. Um, Good but yeah, the cast. scene where they're talking, they just kind of riff about the nature of how things change. Yes, and how things like. Alberto has that great monologue mm. where you kind of get, he gets to vent a little bit about his opinion on the world. I think it summarizes he's so quiet yeah. for most of the film when Jeff is when when uh, you know Marcus is giving him shit. He's yeah he's taking he's copying it on the chin whatever yeah. this guy says and he's like this fucker's retiring soon yeah. I guess I'll just cop it. And they talk about like ancestry where he says like you know for, like a few hundred years ago this was all yeah. my ancestors' land everywhere mm. that you can see. Yeah. And now you know your people came and took it. Yeah. And then these people came and took it, and he mm. looks at the bank. Mm. You know, just that connection. Like, I just love that the way that film, that, that yeah. scene flows, and how they kind of connect in. Like, you got, yeah. you kind of get, oh, it's Alberto. There is like this greedy of, human spirit that's just, like, perpetuating yeah, throughout our history. Yeah. You know, you know, pattern of just, like, you know, taking yeah. things from each other. But mm. I, just, I just, I think I like it because it's the first moment that I feel like Alberto gets to kind of have yeah. his say, and, and actually, and he's, he's got a much more, well, he's got a very... Um, Seems a lot more fed up. Yeah. Yeah. Than you expect. Yeah. You think he's just annoyed that Marcus is, you know, being an old mm. racist and annoying him and whatnot, but he's actually got like quite yeah. a insightful perspective on the mm. on the world and yeah. everything. Um mm. Meanwhile, over at the casino, Taylor Tanner, Tanner and Toby are laundering the money. Yeah. Basically. And again, this is just another like it's just another excuse to explore the characters a bit more. Although I don't really know what we learn from these guys here. We have that scene we talked about earlier. Yeah, the, at the poker table. at the poker table. Um, meanwhile, Toby is approached by, is approached by a young woman. A young woman, a lady of the night. Who? Well, I mean, is she? In That's the script, debatable. she is. Again, it's one of those things. Oh, it's is like, she really? It's one of those things where it's like the script is officially dead once the movie's made. In a sense, a lot of people think that. Yeah. But then it must have been playing into the the um, actor's interpretation of the lines and everything. So, and I think I think I think Tanner kind of. Um, he says that's what she is anyway. Um, he talks about her being that. Pretty sure she is. Yeah. And, and again, in the script she is. But anyway, oh, yeah, she's yeah, talking yeah. him up. Yeah, I can see it now. Yeah. Melanie Papalia. Cool. That's a cool that's, name. That's her actress name. Um, name. Yeah, so they end up uh, staying the night at this hotel. Yeah. And then the next morning is kind of their last... What did big... you think of Tanner having sex with some person <laughs> like, right next to his brother? Uh, Would you feel comfortable doing that? God, <laughs> doing no. That? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Holy shit. Uh, I thought you would have said yes. <laughs> I could have sworn that you would have said yes. You're no. kind of person. No. No, 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 no. Because like, it seems like the kind of thing where I feel like in another movie, he'd be in the other room and he'd hear them going at it. Yeah. But, but in this one, he's literally, room. and he's just like... <laughs> I love the... <laughs> Played with like different music, it could be a comedy because yeah. Chris is like... He's got the pillow over he his looks, head or something. Chris looks so sad in that moment. I love, <laughs> I love it. He looks so uncomfortable. I can't score. He looks... No, but not It's in also that, funny because he's so hot as well. Like, Chris is the hottest man in the world. And yeah, he's just sitting yeah. here having to, like, listen to his brother. Yeah. And his brother just cock-blocked him with that... With yeah. the other woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now yeah. he's with the desk clerk. Yeah. Who he just, like, immediately charmed with his, like... When you're at that nursing home, yeah. you're thinking of me, yeah. you'll giggle. And it works. Yeah. 
Um, but I like I I love Chris's acting in that moment where he just kind of rolls over and just hides himself. He looks like a little boy. Yeah. He's like, this sucks. <laughs> this um, sucks. And then the next day is kind of when everything goes wrong for them because yeah. they have to... So they're basically given a ticking clock by the guy who we meet in the bank who's yeah. kind of helping them. Yeah. He kind of knows what they're doing and he's helping them. Yes. Be able to buy the house. A very big exposition. Probably the most exposition-y part it's of It's the, the first part of the film. It's about halfway through. It's the first yeah. part that we actually understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And he, he pretty much just lays it out pretty flat. Yeah. Yep. Which is just like, get to the bank on Thursday. Yeah. Because you knew, you know they'll close early yep. on Friday. You know, well, you need to get this done by the end of the week. Like, literally up against the deadline of, yep. if you don't have this money by the end of the week, if you don't pay off your debts yeah. by then... You're done. Like, you won't own this house. The bank will foreclose on your house and you won't own the property that has the oil. I think that's the thing I didn't like about this movie is when I first watched it, is I wanted that to be extremely tense and they're, like, coming down to the wire. And it Mm. kind of is. But to me, that tension, it felt pretty deflated. Well, it's deflated. Watching it a second time, I was like, I know they get away with it, obviously, Mm. but this works for me now. Is it because it's tinged with, like, a sadness of, like... Because, basically, they go and do this robbery that they're, they're kind of pinned down where they think... Well, they're going to go take another small branch early mm. in the morning. Yeah. But what happens is, um, are they, are they, oh, they go to that bank and it's closed or it's, it's been, uh, they go to a bank it's, and it's closed. It's yeah. not just closed. It's like literally like gone out of business. Yeah. Like another com- yeah. piece of commentary on the small close, yeah. towns closing down kind of thing. <laughs> in case even you didn't the bank, get it. <laughs> even the bank is closing this yeah. now. Shit. Okay. Well, we got to go to another one. They start driving yeah. and then Tanner cr- cuts off Toby on the road and says, we can't go to that branch. Mm. It's too small. Uh, if we're going to make the money that we need to make, we've got to go to this big one. Yep. If we go now, we'll be early enough. Don't yep. worry. Toby's nervous. Shit, you know, it's going to be it's going to be later in the day. Yep. It's a bigger town, bigger branch. But bigger branch means bigger money, as Tanner says. So, yeah, which they don't need, but still. No. <laughs> so they go there, and at this point, we've cut back to the cops, and um, Marcus, Jeff Bridges' character, has basically said to Alberto on the hood of the car, like pointing out all the different maps, uh, bank, <laughs> bank branches on the maps, like, this is where they're going now. Because yeah. they've waited at this particular branch in this small town for a few days yeah. now. Yeah. And then he thinks, okay, what's going on? I reckon they're going for this one. Yeah. Now, you, at, at, when I watched that scene originally, yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. When I watched it again, mm. I was like, I do like it when characters show ingenuity and mm. show their kind of problem-solving skills. Yeah. But this did feel a little bit like... I don't actually... It comes out of nowhere. It comes out of There's nowhere nothing, I don't quite get yeah. how he did that. Yes. But also that it's like very tenuous... It's very tenuous logic where he's mm-hmm. like, well, they wouldn't hit that one because... He's, well, he's, he's basically... They'll probably hit this one. Yeah. <laughs> he's basically like this... There's, there's seven branches in this yeah. in this part of the state. Uh, they, they didn't hit... They've hit these two, so yeah. they're out. Um, they won't hit this one because it's too big. Closed. They won't hit closed. this one because... I know the bank is closed. <laughs> Where'd you... I know the bank is closed. <laughs> it's my favourite line in the whole I know you've been like such big, such big, that out. Such big... Thanks for tearing it up. Such big, uh, <laughs> such big pauses. He gets so... I know the bank is closed. So exasperated. Then... <laughs> so, yeah. Would you just... Would you just listen to me? Yeah, so he makes his case, but his case is pretty weak. It's, it's weak, and again, there was nothing that... Incited that. Yeah. There was nothing that made him go, you know what, they're but not I guess, But I guess you could be like, well, it's his intuition as a ranger. Like, he's done this for so long. We needed to see him decide. Everything we just we've need... seen in this film yeah. so far is him being like, they're not tweakers, they're too smart, they've thought about this, they've only, they're only targeting this, they're only doing this. Like, like, you know, and he's even so smart that when Tanner does that little robbery that we talked about outside the cafe, that yeah. he just hits himself opportunistically. Yeah. He's like, hmm, his partner wasn't with him. Yeah. 
They he had to run across the road to one get into the car. One of them's smart. One of them's not. Yeah. So he, wor- he So I understand. This job is different. That, than he's, he's a professional. There he's needed to be a scene where he realized they weren't going to hit the bank. There's a scene where he realizes they'll hit this bank, but there isn't a scene where he realizes, okay, mm. this bank they're not going to hit. Mm. Or mm. even just a scene where he's like, you know what? I can't just like sit on my hands for this last job. I got to yeah. actually be a cop. Yeah. There wasn't that. Yeah. And again, even in the script, not that it matters because. That's not the final product. The yeah. Is. But it's not even in the script. It, it felt weird even in that part. I was like, that feels weird. And yeah. it's just all of a sudden dished this out. We get it. You read the script and did more for this podcast than me. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that felt good. Tell <laughs> <it> again. <laughs> that felt so good. But, yeah, so, so this is kind of driving towards a climax. Literally, yep. they go into this town to rob this bank. They get in there. You know, to- and Toby has the moment where he's like, I don't know about this. But they're like, well, yeah. we There's no cars out the we front. got no other money. We've got no other opportunity. Yeah. we got to do this. Yeah. And... He, um, they go in and the bank is completely full of people, yep. which is unlike anything we've seen so far in the movie. It feels more like a, like a Dark Knight style robbery of like, all right, everybody down, like kind of thing. Yep. And Tanner is the one to basically run the show from there where he's like, yep. they walk in, they freeze, everyone looks at them, they've got ski masks yep. on, holy shit, this is a robbery. And he's just into it immediately. Mm. And obviously, because people, you know, try and stop them. There's a bank yeah. teller. There's a security guard. There's a guy on the floor mm. with his gun. Yeah. Uh, quite a few people get killed. I think two people. A security get guard and a an armed man. And an armed man. Killed, yeah, and the armed man death is brutal because he oh, just yeah. doesn't see kind of coming. It's just yeah. point blank. Um, in the in the head. Yeah. And this is this shot. is this is uh, basically. And Chris is flailing at this point. He is when yeah. he shoots the gun. It's like at everything but the target yes. he's supposed to be shooting. He's at. just trying to cover himself. He's, and... This is where like Chris really works for me because this yeah. is my again third biggest problem I had with this film. First one was score. Second one was that plot point we just talked about. Third one was Chris for me. Really, not a big Chris fan. We've talked about this. He's not my favorite Chris. He's my favorite Chris. He's your sure. favorite Chris. He's not my favorite Chris. <laughs> There's three other Chris's ahead of him. I think. Two. How many Chris's are we talking about, though? Well, I mean, there's um, how I don't know how many Chris's there are on this planet Earth. Evans, Pratt, Pine, Hemsworth. They're the four. Yeah, it would be Evans, Hemsworth, Pratt, Pine. Whoa! <laughs> Why is that a whoa? He's fourth. Pratt is Emmett and the guy from the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's pretty good. And he was funny in Parks and Rec. He was great in Pine. I I would go Pine. But you don't even like Star Trek that much. This is the weird thing. Like, I'm trying to think what you've seen other than Hello Highwater that you like him in. Yeah, that is a good point. I think it's like you're still hanging on to this I liked Hello Highwater that first time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's in something that... I don't know, he just seems like a nice guy. Well. <laughs> I'm sure they're all lovely. He's probably just a bit of a crush. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, of course. He's apparently he's good hot. in Wonder Woman. Like, he was kind of charming. I haven't seen that. Oh, I have heard that. Oh, he was, he was original Peter Parker in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He was in it for, like, five minutes and gave a great, gave a great performance. Spoiler alert, when that's when he dies at the start of it, that's Chris I Martin. thought original Peter Parker was played by the Planet B, the, I don't know, the second Peter Parker as well. It's not. No, not the same guy. No, he plays Peter A. Parker. Wow. Um, okay, I didn't know that. That's Hello, He's been in some comedies, like playing, like be, being a bit like, you know, just. He was in Into the Woods. Apparently, he's good in that. He's in Rise of the Guardians, played Jack Frost. Rise of the Guardians. You know, the one with all of the different <laughs> holiday characters? In our original, the, the original conceit of this podcast would have included that. Oh, that yeah. would have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I just think I've seen interviews of him and he seems kind of like a cool dude, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. I would, yeah, man, that doesn't make sense, though, because I've seen Pratt in so much more that I like. Yeah. 
Um, but I he's been say... in a lot of shit you don't like. He's been in four, three, three or four now Jurassic Park movies. Yeah. Three, which I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like blame him for those though. That's true. Yeah. He's in, oh my God, he's in, Pratt is in the film, the, the sci-fi film, um, Tomorrow Wars? No, no, oh, that one, but, um, no, the one where... That is a movie that won't exist. It's with Jennifer Lawrence and they're in the spaceship. It's basically the shining... Oh, Passengers or something Passengers. Like we, I watched that on God, a bus in Argentina with no music, with no sound. <laughs> and my brother and I both, it was on like one of those buses on the TV, like TV buses that the teachers on school camp could never get working. And they're like, Wait. And they just play Monsters, like, Inc. Yeah. or Cool Runners and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's but, all you get. So... That Holy was on. Fuck. That was on, and my brother and I watched it, and were pretty engaged by it. But immediately when it finished, he was like, "That film sucked, and it could have been so much better." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I agree." And we both thought, and this is having watched it with no sound. Yeah. And immediately, because the way the conceit of that film is that Chris. Uh, I don't know what you're gonna say. I've heard this story before. I've heard this fix to this movie. Yeah. Go on. Well, he. We've got an audience. We need. Hey, hey, <laughs> come here. Come here for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I'm new to the whole podcast. Get in line and shut the up. Okay. We tell the story. Okay, go and ahead. Don't act like you heard it before. Okay, so I want gasps right. at the end of the story. Yeah, that's, that's, cool. that's cool. So yeah, hey, so actually, just come back here, Matt. Come back here. What? I really think I'm more of the I'm more of the the, the mic in this situation. You're more of the Sully. You listen to me. I do this kind of bit. Is this yeah. wait? Is this Monster Sync? Well, every podcast has a mic and a Sully, and I'm more of the mic, and I'm the more of the guy who tells you what to do. And you what do you mean? You're trying to school me. Just before. Sully's the one who tells him what to do. Oh, that was another example. Oh, wait, no, I guess Sully is, like, yeah, Mike is Mike's the, the one who's telling him to shut the fuck up. Yeah, true, true. You know, Matt Sully, just shut the fuck up. Can't answer podcasts. I'm the Randall. <laughs> I'm the wild card. I'm putting a big number in. <laughs> I'm in form. I'm putting a big number. What did he say? I'm in the zone today, Sullivan. Putting up some big numbers. Oh, so good. Okay, I'm so sorry. Go no, to, no, no, no. It, it was purely just basically take the end and put it back at the start or something like that. They made it. They, they made reveal it, so the you, fact, they that, he the fact that he was awake before Jennifer. Jennifer Lawrence. They should have made it seem yes. like they woke up at the start together. Yep. And then revealed after they fell in love. They should have revealed that he actually woke up months before and woke her up out of loneliness yeah. and has doomed her to this fate, this fate. with him alone. Yeah. That would have been way better, but I bet it was a note that was like, we need to like him, we need to sh- see him shoot some hoops uh, and, and have a drink <laughs> at a bar alone and talk with, to uh, Michael Sheen. Michael, do you remember his name? Good. What yeah, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sounds right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Don't pull that shit again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right back at you. Um, but yeah, um, so... Uh, the, where are we in the we film? Were talk, we were talking about the Chris's. They were, um, yes, that's right. Chris, this is my favourite. I think he does... He shines very well in the scene. He does, yeah. He's great. He, and he, he seems scared, genuinely like and freaking Actually, out. it leads... Because basically what happens is they, they, they rob the bank, then the cops are on them, all the locals Not are even, on yeah, them. Not even the like, there, the posse. It's like the, fully, yeah, like... The country music, music starts. Kind of thing, yeah. And, and like um, they're already lined up shooting at them as soon as they leave the... Yeah. Almost comically, they're like... Tanner comes into his own here where he's like, I know what to do. I, I'll, I'll save, he takes I'll, I'll save this, yeah. not only save uh, us in this moment, but also like, cause he, you know, just sprays them all, uh, warning shots with this bloody yeah. huge machine gun that he's got. Not even warning shots. He's probably trying to get them, uh, from a distance. They all scatter. The cops are still after them though. But before that happens, they are able to pull over. Tanner's like, go to the casino. The plan is a good plan. It's your plan. Yeah. You know, finish the plan. Yeah. And he gets in the truck. 
Toby gets in the other car that they've got, yeah. and he's like, what are you doing? And they split up, basically, because Tanner's like, look, he doesn't even answer, does he? Yeah. He just looks at him, he's like, you know that I've got to do this. Like, yeah. you know that we're not both going to get out of yeah. here, and you're the one that needs to survive this. Yes. So, you yeah. know, he say, he, he doesn't see it. Tanner doesn't see any future for himself in this no. world. And it's, it I was, in my mind, I remember Toby putting up more of a fight when that happens, but he really doesn't. He's like, like okay. he's kind of like, what are you doing? He's like, um, he doesn't answer. Yeah. And then he's like, I love you. And he's mm. like, I love you too. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, Toby, go fuck yourself. And then they drive off. Somebody says. I think so. Something like that. Okay. Something like that. It's like they can't let I love you be the last yeah. thing they say to each other. So yeah. that's how Because like that Toby, would be too much. Toby knows that that's it, basically. And yeah. that that's why. That, so They both know this is the end, really. When Toby then goes to the casino to change the money for the last time mm. and he's sitting there with a beer at night mm. after the climax has occurred where. Mm. Um, a final shootout. A final shootout. Tanner dies. Tanner dies. He kills Alberto, sadly. We'll get back to that because I yeah, want we'll to talk about that, that a lot. Chris Pine, it's one of my favorite moments of his, is he he kind of brings the chips into his chest at the yeah. bar, the money that his brother yeah. kind of enabled him to get, that he's going to set up his kids for mm. their future. Mm. And he kind of like embraces it a little bit when he hears in the, in, when he hears in mm. the TV speaker that his brother's been killed. Yeah. And I, I remember in the cinema that being way more emotional for me, like watching yeah. that. And then when I watched it again, he can't, in my head he really grips onto these chips mm. and cries. He doesn't really do that in, this, in the film, yeah. actually, though. He I kind think of he's got too much of a wall. I think that's the tricky thing. It's a, it's a hard role. It's a hard line to walk where he's playing a Texan man who's grown up and lived a hard life. Mm. So very reserved, very stoic, very walled up emotions pretty much. Mm. But vulnerability and sadness and fear has to kind of like leak through that. Mm. It's a hard thing to pull off. And I don't think Chris does it here. Well, we as see much. that Chris is a psycho as well in this film because of that when uh, yeah. when uh, Tanner pulls when they pull up to the petrol station earlier. Oh yeah, and, and he that, just wails and it's that, that great shot yeah. of their car, which is this old piece of shit. Yeah, they're filling up petrol. A, a, a guy is unhitching his horse from the petrol station, like literally, <laughs> yeah, like out of in the seventeen hundreds in the background. Yeah. And then a green Mustang pulls up with yeah. this rap music playing. And then I said it so often. It's, it's yeah. then, <laughs> no, it's like it's like heavy metal music. It's oh, really is obnoxious. It? With this hippity hop music playing, <laughs> uh, with this bumping music. Yeah, it's, it is. It's heavy metal, and these two obnoxious dudes with Oakleys and a gun yeah. start to threaten Tanner because he's looking at them. Yeah, Tanner has that gray line. He's like, "You think they're Tanner me?" Yeah. And then Toby just doesn't move. Absolutely destroys this mm. guy from no like just with his fists. Yeah. In a way that we're like, "Holy shit!" Toby's he has crazy. that in him. Yeah. Um, we can see that he's tamed that like kind of wild beast though. That in a way that like, let's, hasn't, let, yeah. yeah, let's run wild a bit more. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the climax. This ends the, the in action scene. yes, it ends in true Western movie fashion with a big old shootout. The old shootout, basically. Um, all the uh, Alberto and Marcus tee up with. Um, all the other cops chasing yep. Tanner. Tanner yep. goes up this mountain. Gets the high ground. And that goes off ground. Yeah. Uh, off, off road, yep. whatever. Off pissed. Off pissed. Sure, <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, and then shootout commences, basically. Yeah. Uh, Tanner armed with a very high-powered rifle. And again, yes. on the high ground. So he's got, he can see everyone and they yep. can't see him. Yes. Uh, and, you know, it's looking pretty mm. bad, especially when Alberto gets taken yep. out. Now, Damn. I feel like, was that kind of Alberto's fault? What? Did he get shot in the head? <laughs> wrong place, wrong time. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, All their heads were poking out. It could have been any one of them just I as guess. easy. He didn't take cover very well. 
Well, it's one of those things. But I, I guess again, that's, a, that's a failing his, of the direction. He was setting yeah. up his own gun. Blocking. And it's, it could have easily have been Jeff. Yeah. Who got hit. But I just, I remember. That's what I, I that's, that's what I, like, what I love about this scene. And again, all of uh, Marcus's arc in the story is at the, at the start, he talks about wanting to go out in a blaze of glory, potentially, because mm. he has no idea how else to finish off his mm. story, basically. Mm. And when he thinks, well, maybe in this last job, I'll be able to just go on a shootout, get killed. And weirdly the similar to the end for his character in True Grit. In True Grit, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, yeah, there is this weird bookend to it, actually. It's You're like right. we planned it as a trilogy. Whoa, I mean, this is it. We're connecting the dots. This and then as about. well in R.I.P.D., he bloody pushes that gold thing into the sky spiral that makes it so that the uh, bad, the dead guys don't have to come back. Forever. Yes. <laughs> 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 lasso something. Kind of a high five moment. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I had that. I already told you this off mic, but I had that fucking line stuck in my head when I was trying to go to bed the night after that recording. The high five moment or the forever The line? second one where Kevin Bacon's like, are we still here? Forever. Forever. I f- it was like a song just on loop. Oh, man. It sucked so much. That's a bad song. <sighs> anyway... Uh, yeah, and he's given 45 more years on his sentence or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Best, best Jeff Bridges acting in this whole trilogy, yep. for me, I'm nominating it right now as we come to a close, is after, because he basically gets a local to take him up to the ridge yep. behind where Tanner is sitting. He's like, can you take me up there? And they're like, yeah, yeah I, you know, I can shoot him myself. He's like, no, you're not going to do that. You can't, yeah. Takes him up to the ridge, gets a clear line of sight for where Tanner's sitting. Mm. This is after Alberto's been killed, so Jeff is in a bit of a state, yeah. and then has to climb a huge ridge where yeah. he's like, you know, sweating bullets. Which is great. It's it's good to see like so actors good. actually like in the elements. Yeah. Well, not actors, sorry, but like he looks the, like the, the cast, like not even the cast, the characters. Yeah. Being affected by the weather and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. something looks, you don't see in a lot yeah. of movies. And he looks like greased up like he yeah. looks you know yeah. and he sets up the rifle take and you know the guy's like you got to make this count kind mm. of thing it's like a very like 300 400 yard mm. shot nails him yeah tanner's gone tanner's dead uh just before he sa- and he sees him he sees jeff bridges line up mm. the shot and he's like lord of the blades and then he gets shot and i'm like yeah. i don't know what to think about that anyway the best the best <laughs> acting in the whole trilogy <laughs> is when he shoots him yeah and then he just does that weird, like he just slaps the guy over the. He's like, Hur, it's almost like, like a, you see that. It's kind of like, yeah. He go. He's like, a, I told you so. Kind of a hit. Yeah. The local, he hits him over the face a bit, and he has that moment where it's both euphoric, like I did it. He's also yeah. playing with the exhaustion of his like mm-hmm. that hill climb, and then like the emotion of just having lost Alberto. Yeah. And, and he breaks weird down. Weird trinity yeah. of things that's just so well yeah. done. Like so, it's just such a like. It's the moment that would appear in the Oscars, like uh, it, nomination. Well, I don't know. Like maybe it. not even because it reminds me a little bit of the um, Captain. Uh, uh, what's the Tom Hanks? Um, Captain Phillips one. Oh yeah. Have you seen that? No. There's a moment at the end where something similar happens. Yeah. And he has a, he breaks down, and it's maybe the best piece of it like it's one of the craziest bits of acting i've ever seen oh, cool. where it feels his breakdown feels so real it's it's kind of upsetting to watch wow. but this one from bridges is is kind of on par for me because mm. it's it's or it's because it's relief it's emotion it's like all this stuff that's it's happening it's, very it's my favorite part of the whole yeah. movie weirdly it's just this yeah. weird no, it's, it's mine too yeah. and again you know uh, for anyone who listened to the true grid episode i'm a sucker for uh characters who are old men at the end of their tether and like just don't know how to like <laughs> grapple with the world ahead of them same yeah. thing with um very similar to no country uh, for old men 
Mm. Tommy Lee Jones's character is just like I'm in a world I've been outrun by this world I just can't make sense of it. Mm. Um, yeah, he really wanted to die in that shootout. I think he wanted to be the one who got taken out, like mm-hmm. Alberto. And he's, he feels guilty that like he treated Alberto this entire way, and like him being younger was the one who got taken out. Mm. And yeah, and it's my and favorite. It is it's my favorite well, bit in the Alberto movie well. who yeah. had a big family. Oh yeah, that's and the had, thing. He's and got had actual children. retirement plans, whereas Bridges was like, "I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do." Yeah, yeah. and then the coda of this film, after everything's said and done, the heat's kind of like worn off. Um, the money's been Chris's, paid back to the bank. Yep, in that great scene with the bank teller, who's like, "Yeah, he's I can like, fax it to you on uh, on, on oh. Friday." He's like, "I want to watch you do it." And he's and it cuts to, like that cut yeah. from that to the fax being printed out. I'm just like, waiting. yeah, it's so that good. was great. And and Pine feels so massive in that yeah. scene as well. He's like yeah. really lurching and tall yeah. and like in, intimidating. He feels yeah. in that environment. Maybe he is the best Chris <laughs> after all. <laughs> Well, anyway, all the debts are settled, basically. He gets yeah. the land back. He gives it to his family, his wife, his ex-wife and two kids. Um, and then we have that coda. Um, uh, Marcus still can't get over the fact that his partner died, and he knows there's another culprit out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, in that scene where he has retired now, he's at home and he's watching the football game. I didn't notice this the first time, but when he goes up to go and eventually meet up with Toby... He grabs his gun, and you get the sense that maybe he's still going to have this final showdown that he alluded to earlier, mm. which made the final scene, yeah, tense again for me. I was like, all right, he could yeah. kill him. That's meant to be there the entire time. I'd be curious to think about what actually would have happened if the car hadn't pulled up when it did. Yeah. They were in that silence, just like, all right, old man, mm-hmm. pull your gun, see if you can beat yeah. me. And again, I think the tension is diffused by the execution of that scene just not being very tight. Again, mm. doesn't know what it really wants to say as much. Yeah. I suppose. I it's, suppose. I think. I think. A, but I. Yeah. I would argue that what it's trying to say is the fact that it's. It's getting to that thing we talked about about westerns, where it's mm-hmm. like, it's often like a happy ending, even though these characters have killed a bunch of people, and like you know, it's kind of been yeah. a pretty traumatic experience. I wish I could have seen almost. I know it's not the, entirely the right emotion, but like the same fear that. Not fear, but. I feel like the weight of Toby's actions aren't weighing down on him as much as they could be in that scene. Mm. For me, I think. Yep, I would agree. Yeah. It seems like the movie's trying to say, no, no, he's he's in the clear, but then also he's not in the clear. So but like I think I think that's a, I think that's a choice where it's like yeah. he that's the that's the, yeah, it's a choice. That, yeah. Well, but it's like it speaks to the exploration of the film as well, where it's like this is how badly poverty affects someone. Yeah, in mm-hmm. their decision making, in their mm-hmm. mind, in their in their like you know way to deal with problems. Mm-hmm. Where he he's been like, no, enough. My yeah. parents were poor. My grandparents were poor. Their parents were poor. I've been poor my whole life. Not again. Not the my kids. Circle will be unbroken. And he didn't broken, want. He didn't want that for his kids, and he didn't want anyone to die for it. Yeah. But now that it's happened, he's like, well, he has to live with it. I got what I got. What I came for, mm. and it was a heavy price to pay. But yeah. hey, we got oil, fifty grand a month now forever, yeah. and it's kind of sad. But I think that's kind of what it's mm. meant to be. Where he's like, yeah. no, I don't regret it. Yeah. I did what I needed to do. And then it ends with in that weird grass shot where it just stays in the grass. Yeah, was, the, that was an interesting choice as well. That yeah. it like it tilts Big down as the grass. Thing and cranes down. Yeah. The last thing, the last shot is um, oh, so so relevant. Oh yeah. The last shot is our boy Bronco Bridges driving off into the sunset. It is too. Yeah, it's like. It's the last time we see him as a cowboy. Tipping his cap to the three cowboys he plays. Does that little... 
thing. Yeah. So he does that. He has a move where in this movie, he when he's saying goodbye to people, he always walks away first and then just puts his hand up. Yeah. With his back to them. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah I cool. do that too at parties when people think I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Who invited that guy? He didn't say goodbye to us. <laughs> Hey, that's it. One, one guy, me another off? guy, another guy's like, no man, no man, that's the bridges move. That's cool. That's cool. It's me. I was <laughs> like, who the fuck invited you? And I'm like, ah, I do the same thing and leave. Give me more cake. <laughs> this is a tiny slice of cake. I want <laughs> double more. I want more cake. Um, oh. That brings us full circle. Well, yeah, it does. I just want to say as well, uh, very ironic that um, we're doing the Bronco Bridges trilogy first, mm. which ends on Hello High Water. Which is a part of another unofficial trilogy. Yes. Uh, known as the Frontier Trilogy. Frontier trilogy. Which is an official, unofficial, unofficial trilogy. Meaning that it's mentioned on forums and online yes. and things like that. And yeah. the, the writer Taylor Sheridan says, yep, this is part of a trilogy. Yeah. Uh, True Grit is not in that trilogy. Neither is R.I.P.D. No. It's um, Sicario, his first three films, Sicario, uh, Hello High Water, and then... Wind River, which I thought was Wind River for way too long, because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Well, who knows? Maybe, you know, I mean, we got a lot of episodes to put in the can. I'm sure that yeah. we'll get back to it one day, and maybe revisiting Hello High Water for a third time for both of us will produce different results again. Good point. Maybe yeah. I'll hate it. Maybe you'll love it. Maybe we won't ever do it. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> like we weren't going to let that RAPD recording die. No. Uh, yeah, we, we needed did. to publish it so that it was worth watching that film. So we made yeah. this trilogy and I'm glad we did. I learned a lot about Jeff. Yeah, I, it's been uh, so, it's actually know. been so lovely because I love Jeff Bridges. I love I've forgotten. Too. He's a great actor. He's a great dude where like when he, yeah. when you listen to him talk, it's actually, I'm like, no, don't talk about acting anymore. Talk about your life philosophy. Yeah. And, such a chill dude. and like for a lot of young people who watch the dude, people fall in love with him because mm. he has this kind of Zen-like quality to him. Mm. And he's become like a, in a way, a sort of, not really, but in a way he's become like a spiritual leader for a lot of people. Yeah. And he's like, the way he talks about his anxiety and like yeah. how he, how he deals with like the stress that he wears when he goes into set and everything and just learning to cope with it and meditating and a lot of the lessons he learned from a lot of people he's met and just from playing the dude. Can I ask, because I gave my favorite uh, Jeff Bridges moment from this trilogy. Oh, yeah. What what was yours? Uh, I think I talked about it in True Grit, which is... Um, uh, but now that we've watched all of them, because that was our first one. That's so true. So now that you've had the pleasure of yeah, seeing your IPD... Uh, so relaxed body is a close <laughs> second. Uh, sorry, favorite bit is still I am old. Mm. <sighs> and the sigh, yeah, and the sigh. Yeah, I love that sigh. It's so good. Mm. I love him so much. Well, an amazing you, actor. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank everyone. you, Bronco Bridges. Thank you, Bronco Bridges. Hey, man. Mm. Cheers to our first trilogy. We made it. Our first unofficial. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Hey, yes. before we end, we yep. have to spin the wheel. For it's the time, time to spin the wheel. It's real time. This is it. So Tony's going to get this very exciting. Uh, Tony's going to get his computer up here. Yeah. Uh, how many? Oh, my God, that's a big wheel. I, I Look, last time I counted, there was 72, 72 trilogies. 72 unofficial trilogies that we will yes. tackle. We vow to tackle each one. Yep. Uh, and add more as we go. Yeah, if more um, come up, we'll do them. I think, I feel like we should... Before we spin it, yep. what do you... I don't know. You you kind of put a lot of this list together, and we've gone through yep. it together. Yep. What, what are you kind of hoping for? Even just as a vibe. Like, don't don't name them specifically, hmm. but what, what are you hoping for as a vibe? Um, I am... Look, as much as I'd love a, a fucking hilarious one... Like, like a Bronco, dumb one. Like, like a, a dumb one. Like the uncanny... Not like a Bronco Bridge. <laughs> no, that was great. That's real. Uh, like, I'd love an uncanny trilogy, because that made me laugh so much. <laughs> 
I don't want to spoil what the Uncanny Trilogy is. Some oh, of you might be yeah, able to I guess, know, but yes, you know, I, we spoke about it earlier. Uh, it would be good to have an official, unofficial trilogy. Just yes. just not Taylor Sheridan's one, because we literally just did Hello Hi. Yeah, not the Frontier, and also not Nothing cowboy-related. Not the dollars. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like... Something non-cowboy-related, I'll take. Yeah. 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 And also maybe commercially a bit more digestible. I don't know. The I'm, Vengeance I'm Trilogy. Kind of, I'd, be, I'd be fucking talked for the Vengeance Trilogy. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of the opposite. I want. I don't want a funny one. Like, I don't want a dumb one. I want an okay. official, unofficial trilogy. Yeah. Like, I want okay. one that... But I want well, same one, here. There we go. I want one, like, that you've suggested, which is quite, like... I've never seen films like this before. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, how many on this wheel? 72. 72. So yep. by my quick maths, that is over 200. <laughs> it, it looked like you looked to me to get a calculator up. Like, what is it, like 216 <laughs> films? It's around around that, like even more, I think. I'm going to do it right now. 72 times 3 equals 216 films, exactly. You're right. <laughs> But there's some quadrilogies in here. Spoiler alert, there's quadrilogies. <laughs> you idiot, you didn't factor in those fours. Um, yeah, but you so wouldn't have known that. There's lots of episodes okay. coming, folks. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So if you didn't like it, there's more where it came from. <laughs> if you didn't like it, still tell your friends. Um, okay, here we go. And we're spinning. The first ever spin. It's coming to it's a close. It's coming to a oh. red a red. Uh, You're segment. fucking kidding me. The Cornetto Trilogy. <laughs> this is an official, unofficial trilogy, the Cornetto trilogy. But I remember when we did our first episode, we were like, I don't really want to do the Cornetto trilogy first. For no real reason, because I love all the movies in them. It's just like. We, I've watched them recently. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should record soon then. I suppose. Oh, we can't change it. We're locked into this. I think we can get like one veto, potentially like a double down. Yeah, like a veto decision. But should we do it on our first spin of the wheel? Seems pretty lame. I feel like we either do this or we cut everything and we do it again. But we don't say that we vetoed anything. (laughs) We don't. We just cut it. We could do that. Okay, well, look. I can't believe that. That's fine. I mean, like... And it was so close to the Vengeance one. I was like, come on, you son of a bitch. Yeah, Cornetto. Yeah. The winner is... Uh, I forget the fucking director's name. Shane? Shane? What is Ed- it? Edgar Wright. Oh, fuck me. It's British. Shane. All right, look. When we did start recording this podcast, we asked each other what trilogies we were most looking forward to and which trilogies we weren't too keen on. Cornetto trilogy did come up. Just because you've seen all of the films recently? I saw Hot Fuzz pretty recently, and I saw... Um, Define pretty recently, like this year? Yeah, but I've seen Hot Fuzz a lot, because uh, I love it. Like, I'm not yeah. annoyed to... Like, it's more just that this is a well, podcast that's knows? new films. And I've I see, right. You don't get to explain it. You can always watch other movies. Yeah, but I don't get to talk about Ah, well, we'll discover new things about these films, to be honest with you. I'm keen to see it because I haven't seen Hot Fuzz in fucking ages. And it was one of those movies that I only, I only ever got to watch in parts. I don't think... I've, I think I've maybe done one full run-through of it. Yeah. Um, so keen to look at it again. No. Shaun of the Dead, I've seen a few times. Yeah, I like it. Haven't seen... Um, at, not at World's End. The World's End. The World's haven't End. Haven't seen that. I've haven't seen, bits. seen it. Seen bits. What? Oh, I'm excited now, man. Well, there you go. Sweet. Oh, dude, this yeah, is haven't great. Haven't seen it. I'm glad. We can eat Cornettos during. Oh, fuck yeah. We got... They got we them got, vegan ones, so baby. So I've seen Shaun of the Dead once. Yeah. I've seen Hot Fuzz very few times. 
Uh, very many, many times, times. I mean, yeah. the opposite of what I just said. And I've seen uh, At World's End probably maybe two or three times. Like, more than more than wow. I probably should have. But yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy it as a film. I actually very much enjoy it as a film. It's very funny. It's got really? weirdly... It's maybe got... I thought that it had third act problems, but actually I don't think it does. I think it kind I'm of delivers so on what it promises. Anyway, so that is the next trilogy that we will tackle. The it's next one everyone trilogy. knows and loves. It's yeah. like the one... It's the like first unofficial trilogy people refer people to. People will look on this feed and be like, oh, unofficial trilogy. It's cool. Like, Cornetto, Dollars, whatever. And they'll be like, Bronco Bridges. The fuck and is that? And then they'll be like, oh, maybe they're doing ones that no one's ever heard of. And they're like... Cornetto Trilogy second, but that is the power of the wheel, folks. That's the power of the wheel. It's yeah. jazzy, baby. It just, you know, does whatever it wants. We didn't listen to it for the first time because we made up our own, but now forever, now and forever, whatever the wheel says, we do. Uh, in the meantime, rate, subscribe, tell your friends oh, about yeah. our podcast, and yeah, please watch along with these films because we'd love to hear other opinions and be told why we're correct. And, and remember. only correct. Remember. Relax, body. Good night. Alright, look. Either we'll cut this and none of it matters. <laughs> but if we don't, we're... I, I think... <laughs> We should have established this at the start. We can veto things. Yes, we can leave it up to fate, no, but no, also no, no, fuck no. that. I feel like we can't. We have to either do it all. I feel I, we can't. We can't veto. We, we either we either we either make it seem like it's like I don't feel like we can veto this. Okay, so but we if we stick with Cornetto, well, I feel like he, we got two options. We either we either secretly veto it, where we literally don't don't put this in the episode, <laughs> and we just go first ever spin. And we what if we get it. a worse one? Then what the fuck are we gonna do? We'll just say we spun it again and go back to Cornetto again. Like, if we get a worse one than Cornetto, which there is worse ones now. I feel like we could just do Cornetto. It means we don't even have to watch the films. We know I that. need to watch them again. I'd be happy to watch Hot Fuzz again anyway. Let's spin it again. See what could have been. No, I feel bad. No, well, fucking too bad. I'm going to spin it. Just out of curiosity, because Cornetto Trilogy is the official winner. No, well, then don't spin it again. I'm spinning it again. Don't spin it again. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't take anything out of the list. I think it does. <laughs> no, I, I can choose if I want to take oh, something off okay. the list. Well, you want to stick with Cornetto Trilogy? Yeah, I feel like the vibe has really been killed in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we can go... We'll just no, stitch no, no. it together. We'll stitch a thing. What do you mean? Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So anyway, this is funny because...